Hey, everybody. Welcome to a special episode of DM Splaining. Uh, we wanted to uh, take a couple of minutes to uh, do one of these for uh, in honor of Black History Month. Uh, my name's Turner. I'm your Dungeon Master and host for Gimme the Loot. And uh, this week, uh, for this episode, I'm joined by Anthony and Jazz. Guys, say hello. Hey. Hey, Anthony. Play, who plays Baba? This is Jazz. Playing Fate. So, guys... When Black History Month rolled around, I you know I reached out to you guys to see if we wanted to do to do a DM splaining specifically for that, and you guys said that yeah yeah you did. Is there anything that that either one or you wanted to particularly talk about? I can't think of anything specifically. I mean, unless we want to sit down and go into like a three hour you know conversation of the problematic history with D and D and people of color in general. But I mean. Well, you know, and I think I think that deserves to be touched on, and we can do three hours on it if you if you absolutely want, man. This <laughs> I, is, <laughs> I, would, I would rather not, but <laughs> yeah, no, I I hear you. So, uh, just real quick, uh, I know we've talked a little bit about y'all's past uh, with D and D and kind of coming into it, but just for the audience' sake, kind of refresh us of what age you started started playing D and D at. Um, so for me, I started, I probably started playing before this memory, but like, this is kind of really my f- first just real memory, uh, was playing with my brother. Um, my older brother has been playing since D and D existed and, um, he just had me and a friend. I'm not even sure what sparked it. He's just like, all right, we're going to do this imaginary game. And we played the whole thing, like with no dice, like we just, me and him, I don't even know what classes we were, but me and my friend went and fought this hag and she kicked our ass. Um, <laughs> and because <laughs> we didn't look around to because fu- we couldn't damage her. Like, I, we didn't know, like, we didn't know any of the rules or any of the tropes of D&D. We're just like, there's a hag, kill it. Right. Like, <laughs> but yeah. we couldn't do any damage to her because she's immune to regular damage. And it's just, we just kept getting our ass kicked, but he kept letting us live. I, I'm not sure if he just enjoyed torturing us, but we, we enjoyed ourselves. Um, <laughs> and so it was just, I love that storytelling. And my, my brother, um, if you know him, it, 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 I mean, you don't know him, but you'll get to meet him. He's going to come on one of these shows. But like, cool. um, he's a storyteller. That's what he does. Like, even now he's like trying to write screenplays and, and, and that's just always what he's done. And so like, that's really kind of what got me into it was, his ability to tell these great stories and then you set it on top of this, you know, vast fantasy world. And you're like, this is just flat out amazing. Just hearing him tell these stories and this, this world and just paint these pictures and all this imagery. You're just like, I want to do this as often as I can. Like, this is amazing. And so then that kind of mix with, I guess once I got, got the books, I just like, I liked optimizing. I like building characters that, oh man, if you build the paladin this way, or if you do this that way, and like, I love Mm -hmm. just digging and finding those options. And so it's just kind of this mix of hearing stories and having these characters who just are kind of like as powerful as they can be. It's just like, it's just really appealing. And I just, I've loved it um, since that time. And I was about, I just want to say I was about sixth grade. So 98, 99, (laughs) something like that. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me how old I am that you were in sixth grade well after I graduated high school. Jazz, what, what, brought, what brought you to it? Okay, so um, actually, 
boredom brought me to it. Um, I actually grew up in East Texas, similar to you, Turner, as we've discussed, um, and a little podunk town, not too far from where you were. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, um, but yeah, having to run into a couple of guys in high school who, um, I think I was just, you know, after school doing some stuff, I think with band or something like that. Cause you know, of course I've been a nerd my entire life. So band makes sense. Um, but you know, they were wasting time and I was trying to see just what the hell was all the ruckus about. Um, got into or you know sat around watching and eventually convinced myself to try and try this whole thing out and um let's just say that these were not really the people i needed to be experiencing dnd for the first time with um it was an absolutely awful experience with people home brewing and metagaming and just all kinds of crap and of course all of the east texas tropes of racism implied in the fact that i couldn't play an elf because i'm black blah, blah 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 and so i picked up the game and dropped it actually really fast and it wasn't until i met anthony like a year or so later and he happened to drop, uh, I forgot what the hell we were doing at the time, but he made mention of D&D. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've played it. I wasn't really into it. And like he immediately was like, wait, what? Why? And like I told him about it. He was like, nope, we're fixing that. And like he like just went, I don't know. I don't know where the hell you got those books from. Just, I had been around you for like a year and a half and never seen anything around D&D near you. But you manifested a bunch of D&D stuff. And you're like, we're playing D&D. And he like he ran me through like a quick session. And I was like, this is way better than anything I'd ever thought D&D was supposed to be about. So um, he saved my. Uh, my D&D life, I suppose. Well, dude, there there was a time, uh, I mean, it's great how accepted D&D is now, but there was a time where you hid your D&D books more securely than you hid your porn. <laughs> Just because one of those would bring you less shame if found. Well, well, cool. So let, let me ask you guys this. So, I, you know, there's obviously been at least a visible effort and we can talk about how successful they were with Tasha's by the Dungeons, uh, you know, Wizards of the Coast and Dungeons and Dragons to alter the some of the historical kind of institutional racism that is engineered into some of some of the fantasy tropes in their more most recent publications. And they seem to be making a little bit more of an effort to get some of the the negativity uh, associated with some of those tropes carrying forward. And, 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 you know, guys, if folks, if you're listening to this and you're not aware of what I'm talking about, you know, a lot of the origins of the the fantasy genre that D and D you know rides rides in on uh, was written by old white dudes from a different time period and they weren't uh, they they weren't the most culturally uh, woke people some of them were were just openly racist some of them were openly anti semitic uh, there's there's a there's a lot of mileage there so that, that's that's undeniable um, that those those ingrained elements exist and you know and then it appears that T, uh, i keep wanting to say tsr because i'm fucking old but wizards of the coast um <laughs> is, is making an effort and i'd like to know from y'all's perspective how successful you think they've been in making those changes um i like the changes that have been made i feel like it's late yeah um but I, I suppose, you know, what everybody always says, better late than never, but still, like, late is still not good, you know? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, this one's always a, a, a I don't, I don't want to say touchy. Touchy's not the right word. But, like, for me, like, a lot of, I, I always, the Forgotten Realms, Faerun, it was always just, like, this separate world that, as a kid, I did not map onto my own world. Right. Like, I now, as an adult, realized, okay, 
those influences and those biases and those things are there. But like, I just don't like, that's just, that's Faerun, right? Mm -hmm. Dark elves are, they're, you know, mostly bad. Like their society has shaped them in that fashion. Right. Okay. I don't map dark elves onto black people. I don't. Yes, I understand. It's, it's there, right? It's, there's too many relationships, you know, for it not to be like, okay, that's just weird. Okay. Why did you do it that way? But in my head, it's just like, Faerun is not necessarily a nice place and people are treated badly because of their race. That's a thing. (laughs) It's a thing that exists in Faerun. And I don't have to make, I don't have to make Faerun more friendly because our world is becoming more socially, you know, everything is becoming more socially acceptable and our world is progressing. I don't have to make Faerun do that because Faerun is not that like it is not necessarily a great place and there are places on Faerun that are bad and that's okay because right. that's Faerun. <laughs> well I, I get where you're coming from and and uh, uh, the uh, to me the what I see that they're trying to do and and I don't know how they've been successful with it is because there's there I think there's two elements I think there's the story setting element which kind of speaks to what you're talking about Anthony where you're absolutely right you can have a um, like, look, in our campaign, it, when you guys eventually go to Hiko, Hiko is patterned after the Antebellum South. There's a bunch of racist motherfuckers in Hiko in our campaign. You guys haven't gone there yet. I don't, you know, I mean, you guys are probably going to pass through there um, at some point. Um, and I think you can have that from the story setting. I think where they've gotten um, the, the the criticism from, uh, where there's, the criticism has been aimed at is the mechanics that are actually associated with some of those biases. And going back to earlier editions, like you actually had a stat difference on whether you were playing a male or female PC. Yeah. Like if you, you played a woman fighter, your strength maxed out at a lower max level than a male fighter. Um, and I'm, I'm, I know that's definitely not in fifth edition and I don't know, I don't know where they that dropped that off off the top of my head, but clearly they dropped that because they realized that was sexist as shit. Um, I, I think what, what people have looked at recently and what they were trying to do with Tasha's was, and which I don't think they succeeded at because from, for the way that they they talked it up, that there was going to be a mechanical, um, a mechanical element that they were going to present to where you could craft your character however you wanted to craft them, and they basically said, ah, "If you don't like it, don't do it. Homebrew it," um, which I think felt like a little bit of lip service from from the reactions that I've seen, um, and for um, somebody who was expecting something a little bit more in depth from a mechanical perspective, I got to that section and went, ah, really? I mean, there's the, there's the cultural element that they did with taking out some of the Romani stereotypes that were inherent in the Strahd setting. Um, but I think the mechanical piece is what, what everybody has been kind of lasered in on lately. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, I see that, but I don't, I don't, I guess for me, I, I I'm not necessarily, offended by the mechanical stuff. I think the right. mechanical stuff needs to be fixed because it's more fun to play with the hell I want to play. Yeah. Right. Right. And I, and I don't want to be punished for playing something because it's what I want to play. Okay. Right? Like, it, so from that perspective, yes, it, it needs to be respect, but don't like, you're not a D and D wizards of the coast is not making some, well, I'm never going to feel that they're making some grand apology to me as a black person because they up the stats or change the stats on some 
fantasy creature. I don't right. Think, right. <laughs> Make the game more fun. Yeah. And 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 that's where we want to do because like the I think the like the one I didn't really like was like uh, I think the orcs are like the only ones that have like a minus in their ability scores. Yeah. And I'm like, that's yeah. just not fun. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> it's not that I map orcs onto black people and like, now you've insulted my intelligence. I don't give a fuck. That's right. just not fun. I want to play an orc. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I just don't, I, like I, even though I now as an adult recognize those things, I don't map yeah. things that way all the time. Right. I, I just don't. And so yeah. a lot of times those things don't offend me. And even though when I see people who get offended, I'm like, okay, cool. I understand that. That makes sense. But right. I'm just not offended. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess, and I, I'm kind of in the middle ground with that. And I think what I've experienced is that when I talk to people who are new to D and D and you start getting into all the explanations of races or, you know, not the races that, although they don't, you know, you're not supposed to call them races anymore, all the species within D and D that you can play. I think what it becomes is that like, when you start breaking down why certain species or why certain uh you know races of uh, races of playable races in the game have those stats the way they are you have to explain to them well these guys are just bad because they're bad and these guys are good because they're good like there's no real reason for anybody to be good or bad other than this is what the game says and it's like okay well what if i just want to play a good one of those well you can't because the game says they're bad yeah so people kind of get put off with stuff like that and, but you can though. And that's why. I, that's why I haven't actually been like bothered by um, the the way D and D said it, or not. D, well, was said it, which is basically that you know, if you don't like it, you know, the same thing we do with everything else in our game, homebrew it. Like, if you yeah. guys don't like it that way, then that's fine. Like, we we're putting out an open statement that says if you guys don't like the way the mechanics set up, then just homebrew it. Because, and I get that they didn't go because like you would basically have to rewrite the entire game of fifth edition if you like because everything starts as far as character balancing starts off with you know picking your what race you play and then going from there and so yeah. tweaking all of those numbers would cause a cascade of problems that become mechanically i would say cumbersome i would i would argue that that's from a pure mechanic standpoint i do think that it's because i'm working on this it's easy to take a a starting point to find a referential matrix if you go okay we like if you look at humans who have a plus one across the board or a variant human that has a bonus a stat bonus plus and a feat you can start boiling and assigning a from a game design standpoint a point value associated with stat increases a point value associated with proficiencies a point value associated with having the ability to cast uh hellish rebuke you know, once a day, you can you can create a point value with that and say, hey, when you're creating your character, whatever race or species you want to create, this is your starting kind of point pool to use to to build you know, benefits with. And then, you know, you can spend so many points on attribute increases or you can spend so many points on proficiency so so that you you do have kind of a resource pool to pull from and then you you put some some limits on that um and i'm still toying around with those numbers and i think that's what but see and again this is some place where i think wizards of the coast shot themselves in the foot i think they set that expectation that hey look we're going to present this thing that's going to be you know radically different for everybody they did yeah You're right okay they, that's they absolutely did they, they they definitely acted as if this is about to be you know the, I, I don't know the kumbaya of D and D. It's the fix of all fixes, and yeah, it, it wasn't that. Right? Yeah, it, no. it was 
And so I, they definitely shot themselves in the foot. But the thing is, culturally, they shoot themselves in the foot. I hear stories about black people's who work at the company, like yeah. whose ideas are shut down or people, you know, they've apparently, you know, supposedly taken ideas from uh, from black creators and not and not given credit. So I, I think there's there's a, a culture thing there too. Like I, it's yeah. not, it, it's not, but the thing is, I don't, I don't look for, and, and not that they shouldn't do better, right? This is right. not where I'm going, but right. I don't look for yeah. wizards to uh, approve me or give me myself. I'm not looking for that for them. I'm looking for them to make a great game. Yeah. Well, and make and I the think, game better. And I, now, I think, uh, don't make it racist either. I don't yeah. want you to do that. Right. <laughs> don't make it a great game and racist. I don't want that. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, but I, I think this goes to a point that, that Jazz brought up earlier that, hey, the first group of people I played with were in East Texas. And that, that you know, and that kind of filtered into some of what some of what you were doing. And I think I think that's true. I mean, obviously, that's true with a lot of fandoms. We've seen a lot over the last decade. So with what uh, toxic fandom can do to yeah. people of color and to women and to even just uh, a property as a whole. I mean, we've seen a lot of that with Star Wars. We've seen um, the, the the whole kerfuffle over the combat wheelchair that that gal put out. That was kind of a really neat concept that just a lot of people just just had a huge problem with for no fucking reason whatsoever. Um, there are dicks everywhere, you know, and yeah. whether they're being assholes because they don't think you can have a black elf, which is stupid, or, or if they're just really hardcore rules lawyers and are going to second guess every move that everybody is is making, then you know, I mean, there's 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 a different ways that 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 toxic toxicity can present itself in a gaming group, and that's one of the things as you know, as I've engaged with the community through the podcasting and Twitch and kind of getting into this, is is how generally largely supportive the community is how very extremely diverse a lot of the voices are and how accepting they are and and how willing they are to look at, at different perspectives but the the variety of content that is that that's out there you know what i mean is has been really uh, has been really impressive so i th- i think you know as a rule the community is in a def- decent pace place with the the core group and then you know, you're going to have fringe elements everywhere. But what baffles me is when you'll see that, hey, I've, you know, hey, I'm a DM because uh, there's a couple of DM forums I look at and I keep an eye. Hey, I'm a DM. I've got a player at my table that's really a a, a problem player, and it always baffles me that they're still pl- like they the solution is you don't play with that person. Why is you know why do we feel like we have to include? people that fucking suck in what should other be an inc- otherwise be an incredibly enjoyable experience. Right. And I, I think what I think what I guess skews my I guess my perception of D D is the fact that my introduction to D D was a black person. Yeah. It was my older brother, right? So there's no way in hell if I was like, I want to play a black elf, my brother's gonna be like, no. Yeah. Like that was never gonna happen. <laughs> He's like, sure. I thought like, every elf, every elf we play is black. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you even brought that up though, Jazz, when you were asking about making your character for for give me the loot, right? I mean, if I remember correctly, they was like, "Hey, look, uh, I, you know, elves if they've got to be light skinned or whatever." That's when we're, when I was asking for a character yeah. description. Yeah, and and man, that that fucking sucks that you had to ask that question. And you know what I mean? And it was just, I was like, no dude, you're just, your character looks like whatever the, 
whatever you want them to look like. And I guess I'll take this moment to, uh, I, I just clarify a small statement that I made. I think in our very first episode of Gimme the Loot and we were doing our character introductions, um, or not our character, but we were introducing ourselves. It was either the first episode or like maybe I think uh, the preview episode and I made mention that, you know, I was just excited to play with people that, you know, I've had fun playing yeah. with. And a, a friend group of mine heard that and they thought that I was like excluding them. And I was like, no, 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 I was making, I'm trying to make it known that it was really at, at the time I was thinking about the people that I had very first started playing D with and just kind of going through my head like Jesus I can't believe yeah. that I've had this much fun playing D&D knowing what fuckery I started off with so yeah yeah well I mean look if there's black Vulcans there's definitely black elves what the fuck <laughs> are people thinking you know what I mean like why, why you know they both have pointy ears right it's it's all the same thing like Cisco supremacy I would say how, how long was how long was it before we had black Vulcans <laughs> was it well it was like the se- like the second movie right I thought oh, they, sh- I thought they showed up in the movies pretty quick. Did um, they? I'd have to. I have to go back and watch the OG Star Trek movies. I don't remember any of those. Yeah, I, I, I am not a hundred percent sure, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it took a while. Um, but hey, there was uh, uh, the uh, the original D and D cartoon was reasonably diverse for a car- cartoon of the eighties. That it was. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> uh, and uh, because not only did it have uh, a, a woman of color, she was also like in a leadership role in the group. Like her and uh, the uh, the ranger character were the ones who got shit done, and everybody else was just kind of set dressing. <laughs> right. So, uh, which you know the um, guy when you go back and you look at some of those early early cartoons, the, some of those are a little bit cringeworthy as well, but the, the, the D and D cartoon at least did an okay job in, in that respect. So, um, I guess my, my other question is, is there anything like when you were growing up or, um, are there any, uh, black creators in the tabletop role-playing space or in the fantasy or sci-fi genre space that you guys are, that are particularly your favorites or that you would want to call attention to for, for black history month? Uh, yes, Marlon Williams in the 2001, 2000 D&D movie. Screw you guys. I don't care what you say. What? Really? Yeah. yeah. We'll, fix it. we'll fix it in post. That's cool. Please, edit no, that out. No, no, Screw you guys. I, as a, because like, again, like I said, I had a terrible time with my first intro into D&D. But if it was not for Anthony showing me how D&D could be played and then seeing that guy in that movie just being stupid as shit. But, you know, it, it was a terrible movie. I give it that. But I enjoyed the fact that he was there in it and gave me license to feel like, okay, I was not for wrong for wanting to be a part of this. So, no, screw you guys. You know what? Just just because he inspired you, <laughs> via his, just for, via his presence, <laughs> I, I, I hopefully he, he you can get that same inspiration watching the movie on mute because it's probably better that way. <laughs> as as terrible example of movies that is that is an actually a fantastic fucking argument for why representation matters in in stuff like this i think because i mean legitimately that's something where you were coming out of a bad experience with a group of closed-minded people and then could see it writ large in the screen that hey man there's somebody like me that that is in this and it's cool that i like this because of it also i can't remember the actress who played the black lady elf who I had a huge crush on after oh, watching that movie. Yeah. I do not remember her. I got to find like the IMDb of that movie. Michelle Rodriguez. 
That, no, what? that's that not Michelle Rodriguez. She's in the movie though. Is she? Or in, oh no, she's in a new D and D movie on ID, IMDb. There's a new yes, one. They are, out in they are making a new one allegedly. Uh, so let's see. You've got who was that? Kristen was Wilson. Was that who it was? Yeah, her name's Kristen Wilson. She played Norda the elf. Where is she though? Uh, yes, she has also been in classic like uh, Mega Python versus uh, Gatoroid. <laughs> Um, the was district. she Mrs. Doolittle? She was Mrs. Doolittle. Uh, yeah, Lisa Doolittle and Dr. Doolittle. Yeah, Curry. there we go. I knew I knew her from somewhere. Crossing Jordan, New York Undercover, Matt Waters. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff on here that I have not seen. I can't the Papatus of Love. I don't know um, nothing about that, but I remember Dr. Doolittle. She was Mrs. Doolittle. I, yeah, okay. It all makes sense now. <laughs> okay, well then shout out to Kristen Wilson. <laughs> the way you said I remember Dr. Newlitter. <laughs> I don't remember none of the other stuff she's been in, but I remember Dr. Doolittle. I remember her in Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I guess that's my question too then. And I mean, I, Anthony, I think you spoke to this with your, with, um, with your, with your older brother kind of bringing you into it. Cause that's exactly how I got introduced to D and D too, was my older brother being into it. And then, uh, my dad, uh, even though, uh, he was a, you know, second generation cattle rancher, uh, was super into like barbarian movies and Excalibur and all that stuff growing up that I, so I got to see all those movies growing up, I guess. Uh, my question for you jazz is, you know, what was there any media in particular as a kid growing up that other than the D and D movie, um, and got it. I, again, to, to me, that seems like a recent, more recent movie cause I'm old, but was that <laughs> kind of the movie growing up or the media growing up that you, that you saw that kind of drew you into this or into fantasy and in, yeah, in large. Yeah, oh no, yeah. my, my parents are huge nerds, which I didn't realize, um, until recently, like my dad was the Trekkie. So like I watched, you know, Star Trek with him all the mm-hmm. time. He was into a lot of the sci-fi stuff. I watched Dune with him, Star Wars. Um, unfortunately, I have an obsession with the movie series Tremors because of him. <laughs> um, but then not y'all until... Did, y'all did have an obsession with that movie. <laughs> <laughs> not until recently did I really discover that my true nerddom or at least uh my my ability to nerd out on certain things comes from my mom who my mom named my sister after a character from the old tv show jim and the holograms wow that yeah. is spec fucking tacular man that's awesome I, your mom has got uh that is some major nerd cred. Yeah. So, um, and what was crazy is I like, so I play the game League of Legends. Um, also, Anthony's fault. So, <coughs> one of the characters in the game has a, there's an emote that he can do where he'll quote, he does a quick quote from that show, uh, Truly Outrageous. And when I finally clicked that that's what he was quoting, Jim and the Holograms, I went and did some Wikipedia to find out more about the show. And that's when I realized that holy shit, my mom used to talk about this show all the time as a kid, and there, there sure enough, was my sister's name in it as one of the main characters from the show. And so I called her up and asked her about it. She's like, oh yeah, that's exactly where I got her name from. It's like, oh my god, okay, it's actually you. It's all your fault. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I love that show as a kid. I'm not going <laughs> to fucking lie. Um, it, it, like any and every cartoon I would devour as a kid. And uh, yes, Jim and the Holograms was not targeted at young boys but it had holograms god damn it and the uh the misfits were badass man 
I had a huge crush on the Misfits. Um, they were fucking awesome. Um, yeah. Also, I mean, something had to come on in between Transformers and GI Joe. Right. right. And I was it's not like I was going to turn the TV fucking off. Um, <laughs> well, I guess, um, I guess uh, you guys have both got kids. I, yeah. I mean, I don't think I don't think I'm giving away, anything away by saying that. If um, if what's what current media would you show your kids that you think um, has uh, the level of representation into it that you would like to kind of get them into? If you wanted your kids to play D&D growing up, is there something out there that you would kind of kind of bring them up on? Or mm, That's a good question. That is. You know what? Yeah. I would have to say the Dragon Prince. Yeah. Dragon Prince is definitely a good one, which my, my oldest child has watched more than i have <laughs> oh yeah no I've, I've watched all three seasons of the dragon prince so far i'm waiting on season four to come out um I, I think i've watched like the first few episodes with my kids i don't think they quite got into it the way i did um but no dragon prince is really good it's it's very you know fantasy genre um feel to it it's got its elves it's got its humans it's got its, you know but they do a really good job of representation there's mm-hmm. uh, a hell the 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 main characters of the show are the children of the human king who is black. So, and, uh, and gay, like there's a gay couple in that. Like the, is it, is it, uh, their parents? Uh, it's, there's some of the elves are. Yeah. Uh, and I think one of, uh, the sister of the queen, yeah. Yes. That's what it. Yeah. That's who it was. The sister of the yeah. queen. Of, is. Yeah. It, it's a blended family. There's. Uh, yeah. That show does an excellent job, and it's it's a fucking good show on top it, of it, it too. Really and that's is. you know I think I think that it doesn't feel a lot of times when they when shows are diverse it feels like they just like did the check boxes. It's like, all right, is yeah. there are there black people? Yes. Gay people? Sure. Like, and it doesn't feel that way on this show like right it, it, and it, so i i really definitely appreciated that it was like this just feels like this is the world and this is just what it is and it's not like we just had to do things and then i think it, and, and my favorite character on the show is a it's the chief fucking, aunt. <laughs> fucking amazing <laughs> The uh, the hearing impaired aunt. Yes, sorry. Oh, she can hear. She's just mute. She can hear. Yeah, oh, she's okay. Mute. That's what it is. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. They even do a good job representing disability in it too. You know, it's dude. It's a it's a good tra- and it's a good story and it's done well. I'm just trying to see if I can find information on the writing room on that because I think it would be interesting to see because um, I think you've got a, a really fantastic point, Anthony. That it not only does it do well with representation, but it feels organic um, and it's it's good. It doesn't feel like there's just a bunch of boxes being checked. Yeah. Um, uh, I want to say it's produced by the guys who did um, Avatar, the last airbender. Oh, and, and when I said my daughter has watched it more than me, I don't mean that like she's seen uh, more episodes. Of me. I've seen all the episodes. Oh. She's just watched them more than once. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to tell from IMDb, but I think that's worth doing some some additional research on to see whether or not the quality there is a byproduct of that that diversity existing behind the scenes as well as and quote unquote in front of the camera. 
let's see. Aaron E. has Justin Richmond, Devon Gill. I'm, I'm pulling up some of the writing credits right yeah. now. Uh, so that was, and that was one of the things when I was putting together the, uh, so the, the, the reason why Gimme the Loot exists is I was, well, you know, I was doing a, another D and D podcast. Um, I could see some rumblings that it was going to stall out a little bit. Um, and you know, a, anybody who DMS a lot will tell you, um, if you're playing, you're you're itching to DM if you're not also DMing. You know, I mean, just playing as somebody who's has DM'd a lot, it, getting kind of back into the flow of it, you start wanting to DM again, uh, even though it's always nice to to play. So I had, you know, I started coming up with a story I wanted to tell, and I thought back to our Destiny raid groups, um, and went, dude, the dynamic between you guys was fantastic. The level of shit talk was fantastic. That's that's perfect for kind of the story I wanted to tell of a group of adventurers that were literally stuck together um, and, and kind of the back and forth and the banter and then the, the kind of the dynamics of um, having new and inexperienced players, um, you know, subbing Andrew in for, for Mike out of that group since Mike ran off to Germany. Um, but so that was kind of that, that core piece of it was that relationship. Uh, but I mean, there was, there was also an element to it. It's like, okay. And it will also be cool that this isn't five, another, podcast of five white cisgender dudes sitting around playing Dungeons that there will be a different voice to it, a different element to it, a different pacing to it. Yeah. I really hope like we get, like, I don't know what the market for black people listening to live D and D podcast, but I really hope we get uh, a lot of people because me and jazz are, we're making like, I don't want to say black people jokes, but we're making jokes that are like more <laughs> black people oriented, like all the time. And it's really, it's really funny to us. Like, I don't, like, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily know how much of it y'all get, but <laughs> look, man, I, 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 I will be perfectly clear. That shit goes way the fuck over my head sometimes. Uh, and, I, and, and, and we know I, it. I am happy to play the role of square white dude. I am totally a okay with that. Uh, there, I there. When you guys do that shit, I I go like, okay, it's my job to be. Well, thank you very much, sir. Have a nice day, brother. You know, I mean, I know that's that's my job to be that guy in that moment, and I am happy to lean into it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's. I mean, look, those those different voices matter, and I, you know, I want to believe that there is out there. There's um, uh, there's into the motherlands there. There are, uh, which is a Twitch stream, which I think is uh, kind of an Afrofuturist centric sci-fi role-playing stream that's out there right now. That's the one that comes off of, uh, to mind off the top of my head. Um, but uh, Aisha, there's a bunch of uh, creators in the space, a, a bunch of which we are following uh, through through GMDL Cast. Um, that um, that are doing some amazing work in the space. You know, I always feel awkward advertising the uh, the diversity of our cast um, because you know while there are certain things I bring to it, I I am again the the, the white dude uh, who who runs the thing, and so for me to be like, hey, you know, hashtag people of color, I just that always feels out of understand. place for me to do that. You I know can, what I mean? I understand that. Yeah. You, you, feel free to ask us. We'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're more we're more than willing to show. Oh, the there's a standing ask, then, man. Yeah, there's a standing ask. Like, and, and Jazz, Jazz, Jazz has been very engaged on the Twitter side of things, man. And and, and you, to you too, Anthony. I appreciate that uh, uh, more so than um, really 
anybody else <laughs> on our <laughs> podcast. But uh, yeah, I mean, th- and that's one thing that um, has been interesting to engage with the community in is, you know, there is a lot of ass hattery in, in the world in general. Um, but for the most part, the tabletop role, uh, the, the, the TT, TTRPG community on Twitter has been incredibly great to right. engage with, um, you know, and the, the everybody that I've reached out or talked to have been, have been fun and have been, you know, co- you know, collaborative and are, are doing cool stuff. So, um, you know, that's, that's, and, and look, I don't, I don't know. And, and, you know, and I, and I absolutely understand where you're coming from, Anthony, on the, um, the issues with, race within the fantasy space don't necessarily stand to the forefront in your mind, but it also seems like the RPG community is the only media channel when it comes to gaming, whether it's video, that's actively engaged in a conversation about that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't see it as much in the video game space. I don't see it as much. I mean, obviously movies, but I don't necessarily put movies and, and, um, TV shows in the same category as video games and tabletop role-playing games and, and board. It seems like there's more of an active conversation around it than any place else. And I don't know if it's, that's just because, and you guys, you guys tell me on this. I don't know if that's just because it's late to the game and making those adjustments, or it's, if it's because of the nature of the community and kind of the customer base that, that engage with it. I said, I think you see that in the video game space. I think you see people talking about it. I just don't think, I'm not sure there's a lot done about it. Right. Yeah. Um, but what I think you're seeing in D and D is the fact that the basis of D and D is creating my own character, like right. make making the world what I want it to be. So mm-hmm. people are literally doing that. We're saying that the world doesn't fit what yeah. we want it to be. So we're going to recreate it, which is is what D&D is all about. That's what it's for. So I, I think that's why you're seeing it. It's because it's it's possible, right? right. I can't, I can complain about the video game all day, but I can't change it. Yeah. Like, it is what it is. <laughs> in I, D&D, I, we literally can and people do change the world. And I think that's why there's so much discourse about it is because people are putting that out there that, hey, by the way, just in case you didn't like D&D because of such and such and such, effing change it. And then, of course, you've got the quote unquote purists are like, no, you can't change it. You can't do this because this is what you're not playing real D&D. And it's like, but a real D&D is whatever the fuck I make it out. Like real D&D, people homebrew all the effing time. So yeah. if I'm going to homebrew my entire D&D fantasy Faerun where everybody's black, guess what? Everybody's black now. Have a nice day. No, I, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think I think that self, the fact that you are creating a, you know, wrapping yourself into this this um, avatar of another character, and, and there is definitely some some transmission of your own self image associated with that. I, I think I think I absolutely get what you're saying, and I think you're absolutely right. I think that 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 personal identity is does come to the fore a little bit more lately. And, and yeah, you're absolutely right. I think it is a little bit easier to to hand be hands on and change it. Um, well, I think what happens is you end up you say you have a group of. You, have, you essentially have a group of white guys saying, hey, what can we do to make this better? Right. And then taking and trying to do something to make it better. But like what you really should do is just have more black people or more people of that. The people you're trying to represent help you yeah. like they should be involved as right. opposed to just asking them questions and then trying to interpret it through whatever lens you have. Right. Like, right. Just 
just hire more of them. They'll tell you. Yeah, <laughs> well, no, and I think I think you're absolutely right. I think I think that kind of goes back to the, the the Dragon Age analogy of, hey, look, is this good because they did a great job writing a representative story, or did they do a better job? of writing a representative story because they actually had representation in the writer's room to right. get to that, you know, to, to the voices that were contributing to that. And I think that's something that, that every company needs to do better at. Um, and, and I, you know, it just, I, you know, I, I will tell you, and this is the one thing that I will say from, from, from my side as, as a white guy in this conversation, it was really fucking disappointing to see that we weren't, we hadn't made any fucking progress when over the last eight years um, as it was a real eye opener as to how fucking shitty things really still were in this country. Um, because again, I come from a place of privilege that could see, uh, you know, us electing our first black president and go, well, things are really getting better. Um, but they, they weren't, they were at certain levels, but there was still, so there's still so much fucking, work to do and you know one of the most heartbreaking things i've ever seen is uh oh god who's the guy who plays jordy laforge uh uh lavar lavar burden lavar burden um being interviewed on cnn and lavar burton having to tell his kids you know hey look uh you're starting to drive uh if you ever get pulled over when you get pulled over, put your hands outside the car window as the cop walks up so that they can totally see that you're not a threat. And dude, that was, you know, because, and I guess the reason why that hits so home to me is this is a dude that I had grown up with, you know what I mean? From reading rainbow and through fucking star Trek and for, uh, you know, for somebody, a celebrity at that level to have to prep his kids on a routine traffic stop. I was like, Oh, Oh Jesus Christ! That's one of the worst fucking things I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah. and it, it, the thing is, I think what a lot of people in this country didn't realize was that better didn't necessarily mean good. Yeah, right. Just because things were getting better didn't mean we had gotten a good. Yeah, and like like that. You what you just said about Levar? I haven't seen that interview, but that does that didn't surprise me. Yeah, Not even like a I still bit. I, I I don't move. If yeah. I get pulled over by the cops without asking. Yeah. I literally don't move. I'm like, my, I tell them my wallet's in my pocket. Can I get it? Yeah. <laughs> like I'm, I do not try. Cause I've, I've had my, uh, I was on Baylor's, uh, uh, in Waco, Baylor's campus. And my friend was in the back seat, and he knew that he had, uh, he, he had a situation in which he had, he had warrants. Right. Right. And so it just in case something happened and he got arrested, he wanted to make sure I was able to have access to his phone numbers and stuff to like call his mom and all that kind of stuff. So he pulled his cell phone out of his pocket and was just going to drop it on the seat. Mm -hmm. Police saw him do that, literally pulled guns and pulled him out of my car. Yeah. Like, and the thing is, I can't see him. So I don't know he's doing this. I have no clue what's happening. <laughs> and it's just like, what the fuck is going on? I was still, everything was cool. Like we were just, we're college kids on a campus. And so I didn't know what happened until they, until he explained it to me after he got back in the car. He's like, they must've seen me trying to, you know, get my cell phone out just to leave it on the seat in case something happened. And it was just like, yeah, I don't move. 
Don't yeah. move because I don't want you interpreting any kind of action in any kind of way. <laughs> I need to be as still as possible. And I don't do any action unless I let you know. Like yeah. I scary event I had, I think I got pulled over in Savannah, Oklahoma, right? Never been to Oklahoma in my life. Well, no, never the second time in Oklahoma. We're middle of the night, get pulled over in Savannah, Oklahoma. And I'm in a tr- truck that we got four people in it and small cab truck. It's a, a Tundra, really not supposed to have that many adults in this truck. It has one of those like little half back seats. It's not really a back seat, mm-hmm. but we got four people in it. So my passenger is knees on the glove box and my registration is in the glove box. And I'm like, it's a scary situation because I'm sitting here like, I can't get in the glove box without my passenger getting out of the car. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to explain this. Yeah. I'm like, officer, he needs to get out of the car so that I can get my registration. Like, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen in this situation because I literally have somebody who needs to jump out of the car in order to do what you need me to do. And I'm in the middle of nowhere. I don't know where I'm at. Small town. Like I said, at night, I have no clue. Uh, so yeah I, I think like i said just a, a long way of saying like just because things got better they didn't get good and i, I think most black people didn't have any illusions that they did yeah, yeah. right it, it's we it's it's this is the same like i i've always i've told people oh like uh thing that came to mind when you were talking about feeling like things got better because we had a black president right. like i was in louisiana at the time me and my friend were joking like damn now I got to do something besides live past 25. Like <laughs> that was literally the joke. Like, my only expectation in life, like it, I mean, we weren't being serious, but like that was the, the statistical joke is that as long as I live past 25, like I've done, I've done more than expected. Right. But now right. I got to live up to being president. Cause <laughs> like it was just that now the bar is set so much higher. Like I, I could feel like I could live past 25. I can make that. And so that was just kind of the running joke. And Mind you, I didn't. I didn't grow up rough or anything. I grew up in suburbia, so yeah. Like we, we just had. Like, there was no illusions that this, this was the way it was. Like, uh, and and it, un- unfortunate as it is, it's the reality yeah. that we've always had. So yeah, it's getting better. It's yeah. it's. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to live where my dad lived. Uh, <laughs> like, right. where he could tell you some damn stories. Um, that are flat, flat out ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be where I'm at, but yeah, it's, it's, we're not, we're not too good yet. We're, we're, we're better for sure. I think that's the best way to sum up the changes that D and D made is that we're better, but we're not good yet. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Still more work to do. Well, yeah, yeah. that's, that, um, yeah, that's a, that's a good way of putting it. And I, and, and as long as that, that work continues, you know, because I, I, at the end of the day, you guys tell me, I don't think you're asking for, for anybody to be perfect. You just want to, you want to see a sincere and constant effort. Is that, is that a fair statement? Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't, I don't know why anybody would ask for anything less. Right. Like, right. Right. It, in, in, in any aspect, I, I don't, not even just aspects that purely apply to me, but just. I always want you to be making, I want sixth edition to be better than fifth edition in every aspect. Yeah. Not just, you know, you know, aspects that make me feel better as a human, but right. aspects that make me enjoy the game better. Right. Like I, I want all of it. I, that's, that's always going to be the expectation. So yeah, you're right. I, I won't always move in, in 
uh, a better direction. Um, Always keep leveling that shit up. <laughs> absolutely. Who, who needs a cap? We don't need a cap. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, trying cap. To, I'm trying to get to epic level adventures. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, I feel like face not going to live that long though. Some, some, I don't know. Dude, you have got to get over. I don't know what Anthony's brother did to you. <laughs> All right? no, 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 no. See, the, the thing you have to understand is it's not that I am that traumatized. I don't trust yeah. the rest of the party to allow fate to live that long. Oh, no. Todd, Todd's going to get y'all fucking killed. Right. I mean, that's like, <laughs> man. No. Have you played Tomb, Turner? Um, side note, have you played Tomb? Tomb of Annihilation? Yeah. No, I've read through I've read through the first edition version of it. Like like my uh, brother had and this is this is what sucks, man. I had um my house, like we moved to Texas in 89 from, I grew up in Florida, uh, uh, had an older brother who played D and D from its inception. Uh, we moved to Texas in 89, uh, and halfway through 89, the house we moved into burned to the ground. Jesus. Oh, man. Lost, lost everything. Um, including uh, the very first box set of D and D. And I'm not talking about the red box. I'm talking about the white chain like the very first edition oh, wow. like I, I had that guy i had the first DD box set that wasn't the red box i had the red box um so i had all of that and oh like a a massive collection of first edition modules so like all those those classic modules that were just deadly as fuck um <laughs> I had read through as a kid kind of coming up because there was a gap in between when I was a little kid um and sneaking in and reading his stuff. And then he goes off to college and I start reading that. And then um, I go to a magnet school in seventh grade where I actually had a D and D club um, at the height of the satanic panic. Um, and uh, 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 literally like they, there was somebody um, like our science teacher was really fucking big on these giant peer review science projects. Cause she always had winning a whole other separate thing. But one of the kids in our, uh, in our honors program did, their science project on is D and D satanic. Um, the peer reviews did not go well for that one. Um, (laughs) but, uh, so, so got to play there for a year, but then there was, you know, there was about a, a a year and a half gap before I, I stumbled onto, uh, a group of friends in high school who were playing second edition. And then I, I played second edition for about God, 10 years. Um, man, this uh, tomb is ridiculous. We just, yeah, we just we just got to a we're in the middle we ended in the middle of a big bad fight yeah and his uh his second in command had a 46 attack mm. and three attacks oh jesus christ with a plus 9 to hit <laughs> that was the sidekick. That wasn't the big bad. It's funny when you go back and look at those older first first edition adventures. What they were all really hardcore dungeon slogs. You know what I mean? Right. And yeah, they like there were poison traps that if you like this door has a is locked and it has a poison seal trap, and if you fail that saving throw, you're fucking just dead. You're fucking dead. Next. And when, you know, when, when Gygax and all those guys are playing multiple characters because they know how deadly the game is, that's kind of a clue that the guys who made the rules knew how deadly it was of of what, of what it was like. Um, 
you know, yeah, that's that's one of the things that I kind of shy away from, and, and partially because one of the longest running campaigns that I that I ran was a urban um, rogue campaign, where it was all rogues playing in a city very similar to Taliesin, um, not quite as Astro City souped up as Taliesin is, because um, it, it was a little bit. Obviously, it wasn't for a podcast. This was back in the nineties, um, but. Uh, uh, I, I tend to stay away from dungeon crawls. I, I can legitimately say um, you guys aren't going to have a ton of multi-tier dungeon stuff ever in the podcast. Yeah, and, and this is the first time we've run a book with my brother, but his yeah. his, his his made-up campaigns don't tend to be as quite dungeon crawl. They have dungeon, yeah. have dungeon crawl. Yeah. Yeah, they're not quite as deadly, and they don't—they're not as dungeon crawly. They'll have dungeons, but not yeah. the entire thing is a dungeon. But this thing here is absolutely ridiculous. But what it does, though, and and even his campaigns that he writes, like what it does is it creates these moments of epicness. Yeah, that are flat out amazing. Like we had, we we had a fight that was literally saved by a twenty crit roll hmm. on a third on a final death save no oh. he was he was two for two crit roll so he gets up with one health and is able to attack and that helps us win the fight there was only him i was the only other person left Oof. and was staring and was staring the boss in the face as an archer <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I ended up killing it but i needed the help from him getting up like it was ridiculous like that that moment is the adrenaline in that moment is ridiculous. Like, well, like, and, yeah. and, and I, that's the awesome thing about D and D. You know what I mean? Whether you're playing modules or you're playing homebrew, there is that opportunity for that hail mary pass to win the Super Bowl. That unless you are bringing, you know, we're got the genetic lottery and put in the work and are playing in the NFL, you're just not going to get that in a whole lot of other places. You know what I mean? Like there's, there yeah. are, there are moments that you can experience playing D and D that can't really be duplicated in any other hobby. Yeah, yeah. You can, you know, you can be playing an FPS and competitively and score that last headshot that, you know, gets you to the lighthouse and destiny still it's, that's still more contrived within a very limited set of uh, limited sandbox. The, the, the democracy that role-playing, not just D and D, any role-playing brings to those moments is what the real treasure of the, of the experience is. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, what has been, and, you know, those are, and, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, because uh, I'm playing with my kids now, uh, which is which is great to get to do, and you know you you get stories out of it. You know what I mean? There that's you, there are you know li, you know literally these are the 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 stories our adventure of our adventures that we'll tell our friends and tell our kids. There are those moments that um, that you just aren't going to create any other way, and that's you know that's why I think it's so important for as many people as possible to be involved with it and for it to be something that you know draws as many people in because you know it's awesome that it's it's more popular than it's ever been you know they continue to to grow year over year in participation stranger things has a lot to do with that sure for sure um, 
but a big part of it is the podcasting and streaming community and the different voices that are in that and and that are that are uh, you know kind of being put forth into the community to to draw people in because you know podcasting look as far as TSR or god damn it not TSR okay <laughs> Wizard of the Coast will always be the Magic the Gathering guys. D and D will always be TSR in my head, just because it was for the majority of us. Um, is you know, for them, it's fa- there's no better marketing that they could ever ask for than to have all these podcasts and streams out there showing people, hey, hey this is how much fucking fun we can have doing this. Um, but you know, they they can also be a lot more restrictive for it if they wanted to. They could they could branch itself down a lot. The, the, I think what um, I have, I don't have a ton of experience with DMs Guild. I think Anthony, you've said your brother has published stuff with it. Yeah, he has a uh, yeah two books out there on DMs Guild: Shadows of Iron Fang Keep and Behind the Veil. You know, I met you guys through Harlan through Destiny, um, but I've spent way more time with you guys through podcasting and through D anD D, and it's been really. Um, been really an awesome opportunity to kind of get to know you guys a little bit better through that. Uh, fucking give me the loot has been a blast. I have super enjoyed playing with you guys. Um, I think we're, you know, and the, the, you know, we're just really kind of getting through the scene setting and putting all the individual story elements in place. I think the next, you know, the next five character arcs are going to center center, um, not center around necessarily, but, be the through line will be some individual character stories i'm super fucking excited to get into babas i'm super excited to get into fates um there's some fun stuff set up for todd's um uh moils and uh and eldrin's will definitely be interesting but um it's it's been a cool ride so far i hope you guys are enjoying it um i i you know it's a lot of work to pop in every couple of weeks and, and record these sessions and um and to uh send me selfies so that i can strap cartoon character faces on top of them and, and push you out into the <laughs> internet and uh and clip your audio into saying stuff like how you like to make man man jerky whoa what what nobody said that what are you talking about <laughs> oh you will that subscribe was, uh, to our patreon everybody <laughs> you'll find out exactly what why why jazz and man jerky are now a thing in the canon of gimme to loot um but you know i do i do appreciate it because it is you know it is it is a lot of work it is a big commitment um and, uh, you know, you guys as the experienced players uh, bring uh, our, our huge support. And I really appreciate um, when you guys kind of <laughs> that I have somebody that I can lean on and I can go, Anthony, how much, uh, how many hit points does a greater healing potion take? <laughs> 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 because as much as I try to prep uh, some of that stuff, I don't, uh, I just don't have it at my fingertips right at that particular moment. Yeah, and and I think I've said this off recording. I know I know I've said this off recording before, but I don't think I've ever said it on recording. I appreciate how much work you put into this. I was not ready whatsoever for this to be like a real ass production. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought we were shooting the shit, like basically just recording our destiny conversations, but in D and D. Like I was not, (laughs) I was not ready for you to be editing. Uh, pauses for room background. I was not ready for any of this. <laughs> Need <laughs> microphones. I was not ready at all. And the amount of effort that you're putting into it to make it as as great as it is has been flat out 
amazing. So yeah, man. props to you too sure. as well. well. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, one thing I do want to get down the road with you guys as, as potential bonus content or even potential main drop stuff um, is, uh, you know, one shots. If you guys want to do one shots, either Canon or non-Canon, um, I would love to have you guys occasionally run one every now and again as a, as a one shot. Um, so if there are, are uh, there are other stories that you guys want to tell within the world or um, kind of as a background campaign, um, there are, you know, one of the things that is out there uh, on our Patreon is it for the very, very top tier is getting to play a game with us, um, getting to do a one shot, um, whether that's run by me, whether that's, whether that's run by one of you guys. I know, uh, I'm a, I know Jazz, you run a run games from time to time and Anthony I know you're playing in your brother's game and yeah by the way dude I know you've mentioned a couple times I would love to have your brother on um, I on the either on uh, the hunters party or a DM splaining or um, even in the main feed as a guest on a one shot um, anytime he wants to come on just let's get that worked out and let's let's get him in there oh yeah it's our it's, our, it's, it's gonna happen I just want to uh... Yeah, we just have to talk with you about where where it's best to fit him in because I've already talked to him and he's down. So, yeah, just just ask him what he wants to do. Does he want to just come on and talk kind of bullshit D and D like a like like one of these? We can do a DM explaining uh, about how to be a DM. I'd love to hear his perspective on it. Um, if he wants to play a one shot, we can set up. I can figure out when we can fit him in, kind of as a one shot deal. Um, or if he wants to uh, talk some supernatural, uh, the cool thing about the Hunters Party is it is kind of a a, uh, a Tony's going to be there really consistently. Consistently, uh, Jazz, since you voted yourself to be D and D role guy, uh, <laughs> you're, you're committed uh, every week, uh, most right. weeks. Uh, but it, it's that is also meant to kind of support extra people kind of popping in and talking about it. Um, and uh, so yeah, just whatever he wants to do, we'll figure out a way. So anyway, guys, um, thank you so much uh, again for your time. 